My name is uh, Matt Griswold, and I've played golf for many years, and I can see you without anything, and I have never hit a hole-in-one, ever. Uh, Putt-putt, but putt-putt doesn't count in this. We're going to talk, talk about not being able to see things to the end today. Uh, sometimes I think in our life, God, we're presented with these doors, and when we come into these doors, we have to trust God to first open them, and then trust Him that he's going to take care of us whenever we walk through that door, no matter what's on the other side. I'll be perfectly honest with you, this week uh, in, my, in my personal life, and I know we're a very personal church and we're like family and many of you, I thank you for the prayers, the phone calls, the text messages. It's been a very rough week, probably my hardest week I've ever taught school in my entire life, ever. We lost a senior last Sunday night, and uh, just a, a tragic thing, and it shook our small community of Wayne City, and it shook this part of the state. We're going to get into that a little bit later. Normally, I'm the, I'm the worship leader. This morning, Angela led, and Hillary, and Jack, and I just got to play and hang out, and that's fun. But uh, our regular pastor, Mike Davis, he's uh, still resting. He's resting good. He says hi. That's it. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he's taking some time off, and uh, he'll be back with us shortly, but but in the, in the meantime, uh, our intern, Josh Gentry, and I have been filling in with the messages uh, for Mike. If you want to, we're going to be in the, in, uh, in, the, in the New Testament today. We're going to be in the book of Hebrews. Uh, if you have a Bible like mine, it's on page 986. <laughs> Some people still laugh at that. I like it. If you have a New Testament from the hallway, it is on page 194. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, and a lot of people in this, in this world, if you study the Bible, this is called the faith chapter. Okay? Faith had a lot to do. See, this is the crazy thing. I had, this, I had this sermon written before my week happened. That's how God works sometimes. I, I had something prepared, and I, was, I had it prepared, and then God says, watch this. I'm going to do something in your life to make this extremely applicable to the people that you're going to speak to this on Sunday. You're not here on accident, by the way. I appreciate the people that have come, people that are visiting um, in the New Testament, many times, Jesus starts off in the chapter, or right before he tells a, a, a big truth, and he tells a story. I'm going to share two stories with you, okay? Nothing to do with Hebrews 11 yet. Don't read on. We'll get there. The first story is about a, is about a college freshman who walks into his first biology class. Now, before there was AP classes and you get college credit in high school, I had to take biology as a freshman. Okay? I couldn't take it in high school. I had to take it as a freshman. So I can, I can, I can make sense of this story. Now, this is a story. Okay? Not every story that Jesus told was something that actually happened. Okay? So we, have, we have to understand, stories are meant because they stick in our brains. There's a high school young man, or a college young man, freshman year, first time, walks into his biology classroom. Now, I, I am here to tell you this, that teachers teach science, not God, okay? It's all about the, the billions and billions of years old that this planet is, and I'm not going to go into that, but in college especially, is a big deal. Um, so this kid comes in, and he sits in the back of the room, and it's a, just a full amphitheater of people. will say there's 300 people in there, and the teacher comes up to the podium like this the first day of class, and he's got all the students out here, and he goes, how many people, if I ask you, if you raise your hand, if you believe in God? Probably 80% of them, I believe in God. And over the course of the semester, he began to try to beat down that belief. See, the, the teacher was an atheist. He did not believe in any God. He believed in science, that it came from a big bang or whatever he believed in. But he did not believe in a one creator, one, one instrumental thing. It, it, it was science that developed this earth. So he took over the course of the semester. Every day he would come in. And he would just, he would say every, every morning, how many people, how many people believe in God? And over the course of the semester, the kids began to get so beaten down by what he was teaching and pressing upon them that the, the percentages started to drop. And the one young man throughout the whole semester would pray every morning, God, if there's any way, I, what I, whatever I can do, I just, I want to be able to share in my life about this, this God, that you're real. And I know there's a lot of kids in this room that, that really believe it, but they're taking it pretty hard from this professor. 
And he would pray that prayer every morning and every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, he would walk into biology and, and the, preacher, or the, preacher, the teacher would say, how many people believe in God? And that number just kept dwindling and dwindling and dwindling and except the last end of the semester, the young man raised his hand and he realized out of 300 people, he was the only one to have his hand raised. And he himself had had that doubt. Okay, when you hear something long enough, sooner or later, your mind says, okay, and it starts to believe it. If you don't hear anything else, your mind can start to believe it. And that's what this world tries to do with us. It tries to beat us down, tell us that God isn't who he is, but I'm here to tell you that he's a hope and he's alive. But this, but this morning, I want you to hear this. At the last, one of the last days in class, he said, Professor, I, I still believe in God. You've rattled me a little bit, but I still believe that God created this earth and he believed in all this stuff. The professor began to get angry and he walked over and he took a glass, a glass test tube Extremely, extremely fragile off of the table. And he said, remember, people that, people that don't want you to believe something don't give fair analogies. He said, if your God is who he says he is, then I could physically drop this on the ground, onto the concrete, and it wouldn't break. Okay, everybody here, no, that's not a fair analogy. Okay, that's, that's, not, that's not fair. Because we all know that concrete is more dense than glass, and if you break it, if you drop it from up here, 99% of the time, it is going to break. And the young man had faith enough, and he said, you know what? If you drop that glass beaker or that glass test tube and it hits the concrete and breaks, it's not going to shake my faith, and then I, believe, I still believe that there's a God. You're putting two matters against each other that don't make sense. You're not being fair. And the, and the teacher became to get enraged, and he took that glass test tube. He said, now seriously, I want everybody to listen to this. If this guy up here is saying, he's twisting his word, he's saying, if I drop this glass beaker, this test tube, on this concrete floor, it's not going to break. And the teacher spun around like this, and he lost the grip of the test tube. It fell down, it hit his shoe, and it rolled off, and it did not break on the ground. <laughs> now that is a story. Take a trip with me right now. We're going to go to the, to the Middle East in our minds. We're going to be in the middle of a desert. And this story has way more implications than I have time for this morning. But let's say that we are extremely parched, extremely thirsty. We don't have to be because in connection you can have water and coffee in your seat and just hang out. So you don't have to be thirsty. If I tell this story and you get thirsty, just take a drink. We're good. Now, it's in the middle of this huge desert. Everybody, anybody ever been thirsty enough that, like... Whenever you finally got to that drink, you just drank and drank and drank and drank and almost made yourself sick. Okay, imagine you have no water, you're in the middle of this desert, and you come up to this well. And this is a story about faith. You come up to this well, and like, oh my goodness, there's a well in the... Randomly. Okay, but, but get this. There's a jar, a mason jar of water that's sealed. And there's a little... There's a... There's a there's a hand pump on the side, and it says this. There's a note written on it. It says, you can take the water in the jar. It is 100% safe, and you can drink it. And you will, be, you will not be thirsty right now. Or, you can take the water and pour every drop into, it, into the pump to prime it. And out of the well will come more water than you have any room for. A lot of times in life, you know, we want to say, man, that's instant gratification. I want the water. I want to be unthirsty. I don't want to go through this trouble anymore. Listen, there's times this week that I said, I want to leave school. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here, but God has plans. You have to understand. Sometimes God operates when you take that jar. You say, God, I'm going to believe you. And you pour that water into the pump and begin to pump. And out of that well comes fresh water and you can't hold it all comes the blessings of God. So those are two stories. And, and, and I'm not saying that I've been to the desert or there's a well in the middle of the desert. And I'm not saying that the first story, I heard it as a story. Okay? There's, no, there's no event. I don't think that really happened. It's a story. Jesus used stories, used metaphors to teach us big truth. And the truth we're going to talk about today is faith is real. We can have the faith to believe in something our God, 
who is extremely vibrant, he's extremely living, and he's extremely real. How do I know that? You're going to find out in a little bit. We go to Hebrews chapter 11. If you're with me on page 194 of your New Testament or in your Bible, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says this. Faith is the confidence that we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Things we cannot see. Faith that they're there. I bet not all of you look back and exactly put your chair underneath your bottom before you sat down. You had the faith that the legs are going to hold you up. Now watch. How many people have heard of Billy Graham? Just raise your hand. Billy Graham. Okay? Very vast majority. Billy Graham was asked the question, how to explain faith? And he says this. This was awesome. He said, I can't see the wind, but I can see the effects of the wind. So that lets me know that the wind's there. Faith is the confidence. Billy Graham has the confidence to say the wind is there. I can't see it. You can't see how God is going to move you through this thing in your life that came up. Okay, on Monday, if you want to pick a color to my day, it was black. Okay, I, I, I was down. I was depressed. I was whatever. This morning I woke up and it was like sunshine yellow. I'm ready to be at church. I cannot even wait to imagine to tell you the things that are going on at our school and in my life through this. But it says, faith is the confidence that we hope for will happen. What happened this morning when you turned the key to your vehicle? Anybody not have it start this morning? I don't want to pick on you. Good. Good. Now, now for those of us that want to practice insanity, one morning when you go out to your car and you turn the key over and it does nothing, what's the next thing you do? You do it again. You do it again. Okay? But we had the confidence that our, that our vehicles would start. And they evidently did. Unless you live close enough to walk, I guess. When, you, when we walked in the sanctuary this morning, and I walked into one of the side rooms, and I flipped the switch, and I didn't even think about it. And lights. We take it for granted. See, we practice faith so well outside of our spiritual life. Vehicles, chairs, lights. Why is it so difficult to do it spiritually? Why is it so difficult to say, God, I know you got this? Because we worry. We're human. The human machine broke. We are all broken people. We have a past. We've done stuff wrong. We are broken. We, we do not operate correctly. We will one day in heaven. That's it. But until then, when is the last time that you asked God to make your faith stronger? When's the last time? Okay, I, for, for guaranteed certain, I had to ask for that this week. I had to. Some of you have been going through stuff in your, in your own life, wherever you are, and you understand what I'm talking about. God, I don't understand how I'm going to get through this. I don't physically understand how we're going to be able to make the payment, and God, we've been smart with our money. I don't know how this is going to happen. You know, the cool thing that my wife and I have found out about our finances and God is when we're responsible with our money, God tends to, like, he can, like, stretch things. And I have no, God does not make sense on paper. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so physically glad that God does not make sense on paper. Have you ever prayed for something and believed that God was going to do it? You're play, that's called praying expectantly. You are expecting. Hey, I remember, the first two years of connection existed. It was me, my guitar, and I worship. No band. And I would get on my knees with Mike and i say, God, please. We need people to play music. We need people to play instruments. We need people to play worship and sing and do this. And with a joyful heart, you know, I want the right people here. And now I have too many singers. I can't put them on stage. Hey, I, I, they're on a monthly rotation, some of them. Or how about this? We have our own agenda. We may pray expectantly. But God may not answer that prayer exactly how we want him to. You know what? There's a reason that we're not God. If I could take things away in my life to make them better, I would probably just screw something else up. God brings us to things. He takes us through things to build our faith, to grow us stronger. In the New Testament, when Jesus is walking the earth, 
He tells stories like I did earlier. But this week I heard a promise that Jesus talked about. When he was talking to his disciples before he left earth, he said, I'm going to go and I'm going to prepare a place for you. So cool. Why did he tell the guys that walked with him for three years that knew him on a very intimate level? They knew Jesus. And Jesus took the time and he said, you know what, guys? I'm going to leave you, but I want you to know. And he uses that word prominently through the New Testament. Our God is not a God of confusion. Confusion is not of our God. It is not of our God. Our God is plain. Do we understand everything that God says? No. And it takes time sometimes to fully grasp the picture. At our school this week, I lost a student. His name was Christian. Yes, there is grief. Yes, there is pain. But I want to tell you, we sing, we sing a song like this, and it is unbelievable. It says, but my God is making all things work together for his good. God can take something tragic, and he can turn it into something only he can awesome. He can take things that are horrible that we go through, abuse, neglect, and he can take you through the scripture and with other people, and he can make you a new person. If you don't think that's true, I would like to sit down and talk with you sometime. Because God has taken me out of situations, and he's put me over here, and he says, you know what? Whatever the world said about you over here, whatever you've done, that's not the plans I have for you. I want you to know that you're special Matt Griswold. And today he's saying that to you. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you've been through. But I'm telling you that our God is in the business of making all things new. All things. At our school in Wayne City, God is moving in a way. I wrote this last week before anything happened. God is moving in a way that only he can through our school and through our students. If you don't understand or you don't know what to think about that, there are several students from Wayne City that are here. I'll just let you talk to them. And they can tell you how God is moving. How do I know that God takes all things and works them together for his good? Okay, here's the deal. The gentleman that was involved in the accident, the guy that that was killed, his girlfriend and his sister, I get a phone call last night. You want to know how good my God is? All three of them accepted Jesus Christ last night as their Savior. The guy that got killed was a Christian. He's hanging out with the Lord and Savior of this world. He doesn't have to experience. Now, now through that, a tragedy, God has said, I am going to blow your school away with revival. We had 64 kids in Wayne City High School in the gym on Friday morning for Christian Club. 64. I want you to pray for something. I want you to pray that God does something in our school that he's never done in any other school in the world. I want you to pray that he starts a revival in southern Illinois with our kids that goes crazy, and it is a wildfire. See, we go back to this. Do I have the faith that God can take anything horrible and turn it into something amazing? I just saw it with my own eyes. And I wonder why I have to doubt. When something else comes along, I'm like, man, I hope God takes care of me for this. We don't understand why, but God knows. That's when our faith comes in. We believe that our God can handle the situation because he promised us. He promised Noah that he'd never flood the earth again like he did. Anybody seen the flood you know, over the entire earth in their lifetime? No? I guess the promise is held up. He promises he's going to come back one day for us. Holy cow. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> There's a lot of people that need to hear about the love. In verse 2, it goes on and says this. Through their faith, the people in the old days earned a good reputation. Now, he's referring, he's referring back to the people that, that, that have lived and loved like Jesus. This is not a new thing. We, we say connection and we're relaxed and we're relevant and we live in love like Jesus. This is not a new concept, okay? Missionaries have used this since Paul was here and before Paul. It is nothing new. 
But it's crazy how we've kind of abandoned that connection comes into it. We're going to live in love and matter. We're going to make our lives matter. Maybe your faith isn't where it needs to be. When I find that my faith maybe isn't where it should be, I have to look at one thing. I have to look, I have to look at, am I really trusting God? Do I really understand that my relationship is that true that I can trust Him to take care of this? Do I, do I trust Him? Some of us have a trust issue. Somebody in your life has broken your trust. Listen, if you trusted in me, sometime, or anybody that's close to you, sometime in your life, they're going to let you down. Sometime we're going to let you down. But our God, He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And He's always there. When you place your faith in God, He can never let you down. Ever. It goes on in verse 3. By faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command and that we now, what we now see did not come from anything that can't be seen. Christianity is a very different religion. Stay with me. We believe in a God that we can't see. We've never met him, never shook his hand. And we believe that God that we serve spoke with his voice the world into creation. He just said, "Uh, you know, I want the earth to happen. I think Chris Angel is a really cool magician. David Copperfield made a Statue of Liberty disappear, supposedly. But my God said, you know what? I think that we need to have some water covering our earth, so I'm just going to make oceans. Oceans, you can go ahead and happen. <laughs> I mean, you understand how, how crazy this seems? We believe in a God we've never met, we never shook his hand, never saw his face. But we believe that he said, earth happened. I have two children. God said, happen. 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 Connection goes for five and a half years in a school building. And God says, building. Happen. But do you get what we're talking about here? The faith, the faith that it takes is extraordinary to believe in a God that said, uh, Grand Canyon, you can go ahead and happen. Really? Really? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think this is comical because if you think about how we believe things and we believe that God is that big, that's out there for some people. One of, the, one of the prettiest sights I've ever seen in my entire life is being north enough, latitudinally, I think that's a word, in the, in the world in northern, in northern Canada, where it doesn't get, the sun sets at like 11.30 in June, like 11.30 p.m. it sets. And it's not really dark for like three hours and it's sunshine again. And one of the most unbelievable sights is you're, you're so high up on the globe that your horizon kind of shrinks. And when the sun sets here, the sunset orange is over 180 degrees. They call it the sunset capital of the world. It's the most amazing thing I have ever seen in my entire life. And I believe in a God that said, yeah, we're going to make that happen. We're going we're gonna to exactly put the world on the 29 and a quarter degrees angulation so it, oh, <laughs> it doesn't come from a bang, people. That doesn't come from a random thing of science. It says, God created everything. We go to the first man that was ever formed. He formed Adam. He formed Adam out of mud with his own hands. God. And he leaned down. And the Bible is very clear about this. He did not breathe into Adam's mouth. He did not resuscitate Adam. Okay? 
We associate mouth-to-mouth resuscitation with bringing somebody back that was living. No. God breathed through his nostrils. It is very clear in the Greek of what he did. He breathed through his nostrils. He breathed life into mud. And ladies, Adam was perfect. Yeah, he was probably good looking. When he created Eve, she was probably the most beautiful woman that's ever walked the face of the earth because they were perfect. He created the Grand Canyon and other magnificent sites. And it was formed by his command. And we take all this in faith. Why does God go to this much trouble to show us? I believe the answer is this. And we talked about it about three weeks ago. Because we as humans are special creations. God said we are the masterpiece. No matter how bad we think our life is, God looks at us and he says, you are my masterpiece. I don't like seeing you hurt. I don't like, but you're going to go through things in this life because of sin. But I want you to know that you're my masterpiece. It's like my dad held my kids up and he looks at him and he says, you're special. One of the first two words my my kid has ever spoke is I'm special, I'm special. He does that for a reason. Okay? My dad is a believer. He understands that God believes that we're special. We are his utmost creation. We're so special. And I want to get dragged down because I don't think of myself well. Like, all I do is, I'm like, God, I, just, I messed up again, I messed up again, I messed up again. But if I read the Word and I get into it, I can have the faith that God says, you come to me, and I'll get you through this. Stop trying on your own. He loves us because he loves us. He wants to have a relationship with us. God created this earth and all of its beauty for us so that we could look at something and see him. I have a picture on my phone that I had the opportunity for about an hour to sit in a deer stand. For an hour, literally, I was like an hour. And I got to watch the sun go down. And the sun, like, I'm hunting in a real thick environment. We just need to keep the location classified because there's some pretty nice deer there. And the, <laughs> the sun was going down and it got behind a tree. And right now in the woods, it's still kind of changing color a little bit, but mostly it's green. And the sun got, I'm like, that's a pretty cool sunset. And the sun got behind the tree, and it just illuminated everything in orange behind the tree. And like, this great big ray of sunshine just shot right through the woods. And I literally out loud, I mean, if there was a deer there, they would have been scared. I'm like, God, you are just neat. Who does that? Like, and in my mind's eye, okay, I didn't hear an audible voice from heaven. I didn't have an inner ear in, and, you know, God's talking to me, you know. Out loud. Okay? But in my, mind, in my mind, I heard, I create these things for you. Because you're special. You're special. He goes on in, in verse 4. He said, It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and God showed his approval of his gift. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. And we go all the way back, Old Testament. I want to ask you about, about this verse. I don't have time to go into Cain and Abel and all the things about the acceptable and the unacceptable offerings, but I want you to ask you one question. If you have your message map in it, in it there's a thing right here that says sermon notes. And if you have a pen, I want you to write this down. I want you to write this down. I want you to write this. If you could speak no words, would your life reflect God? We could go through this life not expressing any emotion, not, not, not giving any words. If you could not speak, would your life, just by your actions, show how much God means to you? pretty easy if you look back on, on a week like some of us have had, and when, when something tragic happens, everybody turns to God. My grandpa used to talk about the Great Depression, and when people had nothing, they had to turn to God, and that was it. Okay, some of those times, okay, but we're what, 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 talking about a regular week here. 
If you could say no words, does your life reflect God? Abel, Cain's brother, gets a, a spot in Hebrews in the New Testament many, 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 many years later because of what? Because of his example and that he lived a holy life. God saw that his offering was acceptable. What he did in his life was acceptable. It pleased God. He did what he was supposed to. Here's another question. How do you show love to other people? I'm not saying go to your neighbor and give him 100 bucks. You don't have to. I have, I have a neighbor, his name's Corey. And we need to pray for Corey. No, I'm just kidding. He's a Cubs fan, but anyway. Oh, no, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go there. Cardinals are up 2-0. Anyway, um, anyway, but I talk to Corey on a regular basis. Corey comes out in Moses' yard or he drains his pool. Hey, man, how's it going? Corey knows that if Lucy, his daughter, is available to play and Lydia and Emma are in the backyard, that she can come over and hang out. Jump on a trampoline. Showing love of God. Yeah, it is. Hey, I'm not saying, well, Matt and Mary, woo, they're really showing the love of God. I'm just giving you an example, okay? Say, Corey, how's it doing? How you doing, man? I'm pretty good. And I know about things in Corey's life. And I get to pray for him about those things. And over time, man, I hope he shows up. We can read it on Facebook. We can read it on Twitter. Is that me? Sorry. No more putting my hand in my pocket. Okay. You can read it on Facebook, on Twitter. You can read anybody's status. Last night, it was, very, it, was very, it was very obvious. I was in a volleyball tournament all day yesterday. I walked out of the gym until I got signal. My phone exploded. Cardinals win, Cardinals win, Cardinals win, Cardinals win, Cardinals win, Cardinals win, Cardinals win. Okay. Neat. But we read it on Facebook. We, we, we see, go Cardinals. Whatever your favorite sport team is. Bears, Rams, Cubs, whatever. People see how you live your life. We show the love of God on Facebook. Yeah? Yeah? We goes on Hebrews 11.5. And we talk about another, another section of a Christian faith that, that is really out there. Says this, it was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. Whoa. Let's just stop there. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He didn't physically die. Him and Elijah, the only two recorded in the Bible that didn't die on earth. Elijah got to go in some kind of cool ride. Chariots of fire would be neat to see. This is Enoch went up in a whirlwind. It's a giant wind, but look how they, look how they describe it. It, says, it goes on, it says, uh, he disappeared because God took him. <laughs> if, this, if this was a question, and I taught in a classroom, like biology or English or something, and somebody gave me this because, it would be wrong. Why, why is this true? Because God took him. Uh, I have students here. They go to Wayne City High School, and if they said on a test, oh, because I think so, and so does God, they're getting it wrong. Okay? Why does uh, hydrochloric acid do this to this? Well, because God made it that way. They're going to get it wrong. Okay, when he talks to these people, they can't even, they physically can't even explain in the English language. They have no, they have no way of explaining. It's kind of like we, when we read in John, or about John in the book of Revelation, when, when John gets to see heaven and he's trying to explain it, the number one word he uses is it was like. It was like. It was like. Because he's never seen anything like it. He goes, well, it was kind of like, I have no idea. I don't understand. So, so they explain how Enoch went to heaven, but he disappeared. He was just gone because God took him. It takes faith to believe that. Okay, it goes on. <laughs> it says, before, before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. Again, he honored God by his lifestyle. Are you a person that honors God with your lifestyle? Say, well, Matt, that's getting sharp pretty quick. Well, 
Do we? We're the light of the world. We're God's special creation. If we have a relationship with Him, we have a job to do. Until we breathe in and breathe out for the last time, I say the best analogy that I've ever seen is Christians should be, and you've heard this before, Christians should be like catfish. You can laugh, I don't care. Okay? Christians should be like catfish. Catfish, until you catch them and baptize them in Greece, because catfish are made to be eaten. Amen. Now, catfish will grow until they die. They keep consuming. They keep eating. They keep eating. We should keep consuming the word, growing as, 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 as fish. My grandpa, I think, said it the best. He said, I want to leave this life accelerating for God. I don't want to be on a plateau. I don't want to be going downhill. I want to leave this life accelerating. What an awesome, what an awesome thing. I want to leave life accelerating for God. If your friends were having a conversation, how would would you be talked about? This week I heard many things about Christian Marvel. That's the young man that got killed. I heard many things that he did that were of the world. You notice that? Negative. If I have a giant piece of white poster board, I've talked to you about this before. If I have a giant piece of white poster board and I took a Sharpie marker and I put a dot in the middle of it and I held it up, all of you would say, I would say, what do you see? And you would say, I see a dot. But you don't see the 99% of other white poster board that's absolutely fine. You see the negative. I heard many things that were negative about Christian that, that, he, that he did. They, they said anything like that around me. I'm like, you have no idea what I've done. I'd make Christian look like a saint. What? You're a Christian. You go to church. I'm broken. I'm broken. I am a forgiven person. I'm not a perfect one. The cool thing is with Christian, when I got to join that conversation, I said, you know what? All you saw was the outside Christian. I said, have you ever, were you ever in the gym when Christian came to me and there was nobody around and we got to talk in, our, in my office? Were you ever there? No, because nobody was there. It was just him and me. And he would come in and he had questions that dealt with this. And he was very concerned about his friends, the same ones that were bringing up the negative. And they were very, he was very concerned about them. Because, Mr. Griswold, the things I want to do in this life for God, I end up not doing them. And the things that I don't want to do, I end up doing them. I go, Christian, that's normal. But I, but I want to do better. I said, the Apostle Paul wrote those words in the New Testament 2,000 years ago. The things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. The things that I do want to do, I don't do. I said, that's Christian. That's a, that's a struggle that everyone has. I got to talk to a Christian about how much he loved God. It was amazing. The kid, I know, I know a youth minister that walked into his youth group after he talked to Christian. Christian did not attend church on a regular basis, but he knew that thing. He knew it. And this youth leader walks in to his youth class, youth group, kids that were ever there every Sunday, every Sunday. Every Sunday. And he walked in and he goes, I just talked to a kid that doesn't go to church that knows 100,000 more percent of that Bible than you do. He challenged them. He said, listen, this guy knows his stuff. Do we all have stuff and do we all have junk? Absolutely. But in Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, can we have a hope in the future? Absolutely. Absolutely. The great news is today, That you don't have to stay where you are. You know what a rut is? Anybody ever been stuck in a truck in mud? (laughs) People people that are admitting going, yeah, that's me. Without saying the words, hey, y'all, watch this first. Okay, it was like legitimate, you got stuck. I have done one up on a truck. I used, to, I, used to, I used to log after I got out of college and I ran a log skitter, huge machine, 30,000 pound winch. It was awesome. Like driving a Tonka truck through the woods. <laughs> it was neat. And I got off into a creek and I buried that thing. Like the tires are like this tall. And when I stepped out of my cab onto the ground, I went like this. Not good. <laughs> But do you know what a rut, I was in a rut. We couldn't get it out. We finally ended up getting out. Do you know what a rut is? A rut is a grave with both ends knocked out of it. 
When you're in it, you're spinning your tires. You don't have to stay where you are now. God has the best four-wheel drive known to man. He has the greatest truck to pull you out known to man. You're like, man, are you just, you're just telling a story. I'm telling you the things that make sense to our head. Okay, we, 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 we associate with, man, I've been stuck before. Okay, spiritually, we've been there. It goes on in verse 6. It is impossible to believe God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. We cannot achieve a relationship with Jesus Christ without faith. You have to believe. It also says that God rewards those who seek him sincerely. It does not mean that if Matt goes out and seeks God sincerely, that somebody is going to buy him a 2013 Dodge Sportsman Edition truck. That's not the way God, that's not the way God works. Or Dave Ramsey. <laughs> Some of you will get that later. <laughs> it doesn't mean you're going to get a new house. This means that your relationship comes with the confidence that everything will be okay. I wrote this sermon before this week happened. Okay, I got up this morning and said, holy cow, I can't wait to share with these people what God has done in the past week. When it's spiritually raining, when it's cloudy in your spiritual life or it's raining or there's a storm, God is there. The Bible says whether we're on a mountaintop with God or in a valley with God, it, David even goes in and says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's probably a low spot in his life. Go there. Walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't think it gets worse than that. And David reminds us that you're there. God's there. One of my favorite quotes I've ever heard about this, about having faith, is, is from a person and they say, I'm sorry God, I've let you down. We've all said that. It's off of a skit that, we, that we've watched here. It says, God, I'm sorry, I've let you down. And God comes right back and he says, no, 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 my child, you haven't let me down. You were never holding me up. You're never holding me up. God has us and he holds us. Our rewards are knowing that we will be taken care of. I did not know how this week was going to end started off in absolute tragedy and ended in absolute holy cow. I can't explain the things that are going on. I can't explain the, the unity of people that I've ever seen. I can't, I, can't, I can't imagine anything else, but I probably need to just buckle up because God's got stuff planned that we don't know. And in your life, say, man, Matt, it's been raining spiritually in my life for a long time. You know what? The Bible is very clear. The sorrow will last through the night, but the joy will come in the morning. God does not say that tomorrow morning you're going to wake up, it's going to be all gone. But He does promise there's an end to your suffering. There's an end. There's an end. And sometimes it is so dark that we don't even think that light exists, but we have to have the faith and believe it. It's on that road that people can turn away so easy. But it's along that road that us at Connection see each other as family so much that when we see somebody, like people that saw me this week, they came beside me. They didn't talk down to me. They didn't yell at me. They came beside me. They put their arm around my shoulder and said, we're going to be praying for you. We will get through this. But God rewards those who sincerely seek Him. You know how much it joyed my heart to get a phone call last night? I said, Mr. Griswold, I just asked Jesus into my heart. <laughs> and I looked at my girls on the way back from the Thompsonville tournament where our girls went 4-0. and We won the Thompsonville tournament. We've won the, we've won the last 12 games in a row. We're 15-2. and And I said, what we did today doesn't even matter to the phone call that I just got. It doesn't hold a candle. The trophies will fade. The records will, nobody will remember. But the people that made life-changing decisions are going to inherit eternity of good. 
from a week that started off so bad. God says, watch this. He goes on in verse 7. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat or an ark to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that came by faith. Not very many times in the Old Testament or in the whole Bible are we talk, we talk about faith of this kind of level. Okay, it had never rained. They did not understand what dropping water from the sky even was. It had never done it. And in a dry, arid land, Noah builds this humongous boat. Huge. I mean, can you imagine? You go by your neighbor's house. Oh, see, the boat's coming along nicely. Good luck with the water, by the way. <laughs> Huge, people. Okay, we're talking a gigantic undergoing of building for many years. Noah had faith and he obeyed. This is what we call an if and then. God said, Noah, if you do this, then this. And Noah and his family were saved. We all know the story of the water that consumed the earth. In my life, when I've not found the answers I was looking for, it wasn't God's fault. There's a story about a, an elderly couple and you know when you're, all, when you're dating and you're in young love and the, the guy's driving the truck and the girl sits right here and they're driving and it's great. And pretty soon you get comfortable, you go 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years down the road and all of a sudden the lady goes, hmm. The steering wheel didn't move. But when I've not found the answers I was looking for, it wasn't God's fault, it was me. I had to take a step back and say, am I trusting God am I being faithful? Financially, my wife and I have had to have faith that God would provide. Welcome to young adult married life. It wasn't because we were being irresponsible. It just didn't seem that we had enough money to pay for the things that we needed to pay for. And we were not being irresponsible at all. When it came time to write a tithe check, my wife says, Matt, we need to give this much money, but it's going to interfere with having to pay for something else. And I remember having this conversation with my wife. We had not been married that long. I'm talking a couple months. And I said, I said, Mary, in our, in our married life, we're going to give to God first, and he's going to provide because we have to have that faith. And I said, if you ever write a tithe check and we're responsible with our money and we don't have enough money to pay for something, we don't ever have to tithe again. My wife and I have been married almost over, over 10 years, and God has never let us down. It has been extremely faith-testing at times. Matt, seriously, I'm like, it, she's like, it's going to be tight. Then it's going to be tight. We're going to honor God with our finances as much as we can. God has never left you either. God doesn't always work things out according to our plans. If you want to hear God laugh, just tell him your plans. <laughs> I mean, really? If you want to hear God laugh, just, just tell him what you've been thinking about he needs to do. You know, I'm so glad that God doesn't listen to me a lot of the time. God, you know, if you do this, this would be good. This would be great. We need to do this. And he's like, man, seriously, you have no idea what you're asking for? Just be quiet. Trust me. God has to tell me to be quiet sometimes. Jesus said in Luke 11, and I know... We're not going to go into Luke, okay? I'm just reading a verse. <laughs> but in chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says this, But even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. Okay, this morning you've heard about faith. This morning you've heard about how God sees the good. He can take anything that happens into good. I don't know that it gets worse than what we went through this week. 
I don't, I don't think so. And God took that, he took that, and he not only made it better, he made it glorious. Because three people, at least, right now, are going to be able to inherit the kingdom of heaven, and it came to happen by a tragedy. God takes things that we're like, that is absolutely hopeless, and he goes, you have no idea what kind of stuff I can do with this. You have no idea the lives that I can change. You have no idea the lives that I can impact. But he says, but even more blessed are all who hear. And then they put it into practice. Hear, put it into practice. So you say, man, I, I don't do good at that. I'm not, I'm not good. I'm not good. Ask God to help you. He's never left you. He's right there. Ask him to help you. God, give me strength to be more faithful. Let me trust you more. Read the word. Get to know him. Eat it. Consume the word of God. Live your faith so that everybody can see it. There's some, there's some people in this, in this room right now that I have seen in the last week. And God has just impressed upon me when, I kinda, when I'm worrying about things in my life. God, God has impressed on me. He says, do you remember where this person was and where they are now? Matt, do you remember where you were and where I'm trying to get you to go? Do you remember where this person was and where they are now? And I just walk and I, just, I, just, I see people that are not the same because they've lived out the faith that God has hope for them. He has a, a plan and a future for them. God can take everything, good or bad, and he can turn it into something amazing and blessed, and fruitful, and hopeful, and awesome. Bow, me, bow with me your heads, please. God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for the ability to come into a house like this, God, and to, to physically speak your word, God, to, to mentally take it in. God, help me this week live it out. God, help me to live my life that's pleasing to you. Help me to live my life that you would find honorable. And God, I pray for the people that are in this room. God, it's a crowd too big to not have hurt in it. God, and I ask you right now that those people, God, begin to be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel and that you're not leaving them. God, that you have a hope for them. You have a, a future for them. God, you have plans for them. God, just use the people around them to support them, to walk beside them, to put their hand on their shoulder, to pray for them. God, to help them get through whatever they're going through. God, it's in you. It's in you that we put our trust. It's in you that we have our faith. It's in your son's holy and precious name, I pray. Amen. You are dismissed.